This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Actually got some Ranger stuff to get into a little bit later. But uh, Taco was cut yesterday. And so it kind of brings up, oh my gosh, first round pick cut, shortest first round pick cut since the early 80s when Billy Cannon Jr. was cut due to a spinal injury. So in every way, this is a bust. However, when you take a step back and look at it all in the grand scheme of things, uh, there haven't been a lot of bust in the what we're going to call the Will McClay era. And the Will McClay era, by most accounts, really got going in that 2014 draft when they had a critical decision to make because Jerry wanted Johnny Manziel, and that's not the direction that they went. Yeah, Will McClay was with the Cowboys from 2009 to 2013, but in 2014 promoted to assistant director of player personnel. So that's where you kind of go, okay, Will McClay's now drafting players. Our, our friend Bobby Belt from the NFL Network put together a list of all of Will McClay's draft picks and then the player taking next at that same position. So if you're just kind of honing in on it, for example, let's start with Zach Martin in 2014. The next offensive guard taken in that draft was actually in the second round. It was Xavier Suofilo by the Texans. Wow, how about that? So, just and there's a million different ways you can talk about the draft and drafting players. But I thought this was an interesting little study. Yeah, I, I love this study. I can't wait to get into pick by pick by pick. And, and by the way, uh, Pro Football Focus says Zach Martin has the highest pass block grade of any guard in the NFL through two weeks, no which surprise. isn't a surprise. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks Zach Martin, for the most part, is the best lineman in football, or he's at least a top three. So that's not a surprise. And I'm glad I wasn't the GM because I wanted Johnny Manziel. You know, you know what I think the surprise might be there, Ben? The surprise might be that he started off hurt, and it doesn't even matter. Right. He's still the best. I would love a two-and-a-half-quarter game from Zach Martin on Sunday, too. Yeah, no Because doubt. the Cowboys got up by a lot. Because with that package, rest, rest, rest as yeah. much as we can. No, I hear you. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence was taken in the second round. The Cowboys traded up to get him. The next player taken at that position, defensive end, was Stephon Tuitt. Two, it's been okay for the Steelers, but he's been hurt. So, but again, it shows you Demarcus Lawrence. We we know how that panned out. So that out. was the same draft. So in that draft, if I remember correctly, taken right before Zach Martin or a pick or two ahead was Ryan Shazier, who the Cowboys would have taken yes. had he not been drafted. Shazier was one pick before Zach Martin. Okay, and that's how that would have gone. It yeah. would have gone Shazier Martin. Yep. And then who knows how their lives would have turned out? You know, it's kind of right. crazy when you think about things like that. Yep. They ended up taking Hitchens in the fourth round. Remember the rest of that draft, Devin Street. Let's Hitchens go to, was good for that. Let's go to 2015. Byron Jones, the next cornerback slash safety taken at that, uh, the next in that draft was Demarius Sweet Dick Randall, our oh. old friend. Um, Is he on team number three right He's now, now with the Browns. Yeah. Uh, been hurt a little bit. He's, been, he's actually, he was not very good in Green Bay, uh, but he's been okay in Cleveland. You but, know? but. Uh, you know, and Byron had the strange start as they probably had him out of position at, at safety. But since he's moved to corner, I mean, again, I keep referencing Pro Football Focus. They had him coming into this year as the fourth best corner yeah. in all the NFL. And the second pick in the 2015 draft, 
Randy Gregory. So they took it 60. Oh, and by the way, we're not hearing anything nothing. about Randy Gregory, yeah, which weird. leads you to believe that things are not going as swimmingly. No, that's depressing. Yeah. I really thought he had a chance to be back at the start of the season, but we don't even have I, – I guess it's been a while since I've even heard uh, – Fish talk about this. We don't even have confirmation that he's tried to get reinstated, right? Yeah, we don't even know that yet. Yeah. So, um, the next defensive end taken in that draft was Frank Clark. Okay. Remember Frank Clark, guys? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, now in, in Kansas City. Um, Is he off to a good start for good them? Good player. He has, I don't think he's notched any statistics he, yet. Really. He got that huge deal, right? Yes. Yeah, he got They a hooked him up. Big old deal. Uh, no sacks yet for Frank Clark, but, you know, he's, he's a good player. He'll, yeah. It'll all... Yeah. End up being okay for Really him. good. He's a disruptive force. There's the Chaz Green. We don't have to talk about that. Let's go to 2016, guys. Zeke Elliott. The next running back taken in that draft was Derrick Henry, who oh, plays wow. the ninth. Yeah. The Did he go late first or early second? Early second. Yeah, okay. We were talking about Derrick Henry earlier because uh, I guess, you know, I, I saw some stats pop up on Twitter about how good he's been. People don't realize how good he's been. He's been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, like, at first it was like, oh, he's just big plotting, goal line type guy. But he's shown explosiveness. I think it was it last week or week one. He took, like, an 80-yard. He took a screen 80 yards or something like that. 99-yarder last year. I mean, dude, he's he is uh, a lot better, I think, than, uh, than I at least gave him credit for. And I think part of it, too, is that Tennessee's got such a dysfunctional offense. You know, he kind of gets yeah. lumped in with that and people aren't paying attention. But all the talk that year was, well, you should have taken Jalen and then – Henry later in the second round. Yeah. Well, let's not forget, you got Zeke and Jalen has worked out in a way that wow. nobody could have anticipated. Yeah. So it's been just fine. Now we go to Jalen. Next linebacker taken after Jalen? Miles Garrett. Or Miles Jack. Miles Jack. Yeah. Which we kind of knew how that would end up working out. It took a couple years for Miles Jack to find his footing, but he's really good and has got an extension as well. But he's not as good as Jalen right now. I would agree. Do you guys agree? And, I would totally and, agree. And also a different style of linebacker, and I'm very happy yeah. with what the Cowboys have. Yep. Malik Collins, the next DT taken was Jonathan Bullard, who went to the Bears. I liked Bullard a lot out of college. He hasn't done a ton for the Bears. So Malik Collins turned out. You've gotten more out of him than you have Bullard. Um, Tapper, uh, we don't worry about Tapper here. Let's go to Dak. The next quarterback taken in that draft was Cardell Jones. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming he's headed for the XFL. Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. What's all Cardell up to? Anthony Brown. Oh, go ahead. Is is Dak the I mean, it's early. Is he the greatest draft pick in the history of the Cowboys? I think so. Uh, I don't remember the parameters of the Staubach situation, but that was a deal where he had to, you know, serve his country for a little while. I don't remember all the details What round on that. was he? Yeah, I can't remember. Because, I mean, because if, uh, yeah, and we, we would definitely need to go check well, that. Given that Zach Martin could have been Johnny Manziel, it might be Zach Martin. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, right. I, but, dude, to get a franchise quarterback in the fourth round. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Similar to uh, the Brady pick, you know, for the Patriots. And, and not in terms of stacking rings or anything, but just in terms of finding a franchise quarterback late yeah. in the draft is so unlikely. And, and I would assume that Tony Romo's the greatest undrafted yeah. free agent pickup in Cowboy yep. history. Listen, that's the same draft they got Anthony Brown in the sixth round. A good God. start in corner, too. 2017 Taco, of course, the next player at that position was T.J. Watt. Okay, no. that hurts. That, that hurts. hurts. Now, we, somebody reached out to us right as the segment was starting and sent us a text, and it's somebody who we respect a tremendous amount and who, and who would definitely be in the know. And he said, guys, I, I, you didn't get this from me, but I would be hesitant to pin that pick on Will McClay. Well, uh, I want to say something about that. 
And, and it was, uh, I think it was in the Michaud article where they said they wouldn't have drafted him if Marinelli hadn't have signed off on him. And obviously that had to be a part of it. But one thing Broadus has mentioned several times is that McClay is, whether he's falling on the sword, sword. or not, yeah. he has stepped up many times and said, no, 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 that was my pick. Now, he could just be doing the good guy thing. Because, he's, because he can, because his uh, draft record is flawless. Yeah, I, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's what he's doing. I think he's falling on the sword because I, I don't think that was his thing. And if you look at the way Marinelli has acted about all this, you know, and, and I, don't, I guess acted isn't the right word. He can tell that this hurts Marinelli, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that uh, I can remember Broadus talking about an interview he did with Marinelli, and it was after, you know, Taco had done something well, and uh, he said, well, he needs to be tougher. And I was like, wow, because mm-hmm. we were, you know, we talked to Broadus about that. And to me, it sounds like that's the guy who kind of put him out on the line to go get him, and so he had more invested. Yeah. It maybe hurts him more. But Marinelli's been great, too. It's not, it's not that, hey, I mean, the Cowboys have been so good at drafting, which this little drill points out. Nobody really deserves any, anything crazy. It's just odd that they missed on a first-round pick, but they absolutely did miss. Uh, next on that list was Ch- uh, Cheeto. Uh, the next corner taken in that draft was Akello Weatherspoon. He's a kind of a part-time starter for the 49ers. He actually starts for them now, but over the course of his career. Then you got Jordan Lewis in the th- third the next corner taken was Cameron Sutton so they got the two really good corners mm-hmm. and that big group of corners in those couple rounds uh Switzer still well, in the league hanging around with the Steelers about Xavier Woods Xavier sure, Woods everyone knows he's still next. hanging around the Metroplex a little bit yeah Xavier Woods killing it now we go to uh 2018 um what would be Leighton Vander Esch and your next linebacker taken in the 2018 draft was a guy the Cowboys were interested in Rashawn Evans oh Rashawn Evans last year as a rookie started seven games. You know, he just didn't have a Vanderesh type year, mm-hmm. but you know, he still had a chance to be a really good player. Their second round pick in 2018, Connor Williams, starting. The next, uh, the next guard in that draft was Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa is with the Bucks. I'm pretty sure that he he was a third rounder too. It was all the way down. Um, and then you got Gallup. Next wide receiver taken was Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith is like wide receiver four or five in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorrance Armstrong. So they've, it, they've just done a great job. On Connor Williams, uh, I'm always quick to throw out there that the Cowboys are back to having the best line in, in football, and I talk about how much bigger he's got. But last night Haley was talking about that. He wasn't very – Haley wasn't was, giving him a lot of love. He was giving him tough love. Yeah, he was critical of him. Uh, and, you know – I know that he wasn't coming off of a great game, but Haley's opinion on it, uh, I'm not trying to misrepresent him, was that he's a tackle playing guard. And so he thought he got overpowered some. I am not watching uh, offensive line tape. This is not my opinion. We're just repeating what Charles Haley said on the Cowboy Happy Hour last night. And, you know, Charles will will give uh, a lot of these guys tough love. Yeah. I mean, he was very honest about Taco. I think he said about Tacos that Taco needed to be tougher. He was always hurt. That's the yeah. first thing he said is that Taco was always hurt. Did, he didn't say anything about Taco's personality. He didn't yep. say anything about Taco's effort. He said Taco's been hurt. And did, did Haley intimidate you guys last night at all? Absolutely. Uh, I'm always – so, <laughs> to me, it's, yeah. not, it's just a matter of when is he going to tap me in the junk and it's going to hurt. Or did he when get you? I, he didn't last night. Uh, it he, was funny, though. It was night. really funny. And he was – so you just never know what you're going to get with Charles. And last night was Charles at his most charming. Last week, Ben, you're the, the first Cowboys happy hour of the year. We had DeMarcus Ware. He was great. 
uh, but he had to catch a flight in the last segment. I heard this. Then, I heard the crew assembled for week one was much better than this crew. Well, there's well, there's a big poll. I heard that too. There's, <laughs> a big, there's a big new school poll question out about it. Oh, really? It. So okay. Maybe not a fan good, fan poll good, question. Good, good, I'm not sure. Oh. Um, but uh, last night, and then Charles Haley missed the first segment. Kind of showed up, but he was like, "Why did you guys wait on me?" I was like. <laughs> Well, man, we're on the network, and he also admitted he doesn't observe media, so he could understand. He maybe thought it was a podcast. Yeah. All right, it's the Ben and Skin Show. Thank you to Bobby Belt for that study. Yeah. Ben and Skin Show, one hundred five three, the fan. Coming up next, some really interesting things that both Woody and JD said about the future of the Rangers. Are they in a little bit better shape than you think? We'll get into all that next, right here on the Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, what I want to get into here is a is a little Texas Rangers baseball talk, but it's really not about this season, which we just need to get this bad boy over with. Is it still happening? Yep, still happening. Yep. Last night, uh, the Astros beat the Rangers 3-2, to two, and it was Garrett Cole on the mound. It was his 18th win. He went eight innings, only gave up six hits, two earned runs, one walk, ten strikeouts. Dude, uh, earned a run average on the season now, 2.61. And two, you know, back-to-back tough losses for the Rangers. And, uh, two nights ago, they got a good pitching performance till about the sixth inning or so, and you just, that team is so ridiculously good throughout Verlander and Cole and back-to-back nights, and you uh, can hang in, but they're going to get you in the end. They're just that much better than everybody else. So pretty much universally, when you look at the free agent class for this coming off season. Uh, number one is Garrett Cole. Yep. And it just looks like the Astros aren't going to be able to afford him, and so he is going to get out there and hit free agency. 29-year-old starting pitcher who's a monster. Go look at his stats. I mean, they are just beyond stupid. Uh, I was I was looking at it earlier. Uh, overall on the year, uh, he is leading the league in strikeouts. He's got 302 strikeouts. God. That's 13.6 strikeouts per nine innings. What in the Hell. Uh, uh, he is he, he he is a machine. He always goes 200 innings uh, outside of 2016. Uh, in 2015, he went 208. In 2017, 203. 2018, 200.1. Already this year, still with a little bit longer to go, he's at 200.1. He is a true freaking warhorse, workhorse, whatever. Uh, he is a beast, um, and so most people have him as the number one free agent this offseason. So does that at all, I don't, I don't know what the word is, make you guys scared that he's already pitched that many innings as he's getting ready to go into a gigantic contract? Absolutely. It's something to consider. It's I'm, you know I'm not super familiar with his uh, personal injury history. It doesn't look like he's been injured a lot. Maybe that year where he didn't hit 200. Um, I'd have to go back and see why that was. But, yeah, John Daniels referenced that, and we're going to get into some audio from John Daniels. But the number two free agent available by most counts by every account i've seen is anthony rendon now he's also 29 years old now he is a third baseman and he plays for the nationals now all he's doing is leading major league baseball in doubles once again he's got leading in rbi at 119 he's leading in batting average at 330 i wouldn't say he's an elite defender but he's a very good defender and 
the Rangers have a need at third base. So they're going to be moving into a new stadium. Odds are that they will go spend money and add something to this team, and I don't think they'll add it to this team thinking, all right, we're going to go contend this year. I think it'll be a long-term piece uh, either way, uh, and there may be even another year away from truly contending. You know, maybe they maybe they can get both. I think that's incredibly unlikely, though. And here I asked Jared Sandler, give me a ballpark estimate on what each guy would cost. And he's just roughly, this is just Jared guessing, but he, he thought Garrett Cole might be five years, $175 million. Jeez. 35, $35 million dollars per year, and that includes when he's 34. And he's, He'll be making $35 million. And people so act like Shin Tzu Chu's contract was bad. This is almost double that. And he's the same age as Rendon, for example, and that's kind of what we're going to get into yep. here is the idea of a position player and a ton of money yep. versus a pitcher and a ton of money. So Rendon is five years, what Jared estimates he'll get, five years, $150 million. So he'll be $5 million less per year. Okay, so while we all marinate on this, let's just say those are the deals for each guy. The question is, which would you rather have? We're going to tell you what John Daniels said without naming names. Obviously, he's just saying, you know, roughly because he can't comment on another mm-hmm. team's players. It's conceptual. Yeah. Uh, and then Woody did the same thing. So we can compare and contrast their answers. But I want you guys to marinate on that. Think about it. I want anybody listening, feel free to text in 877-881-1053. Which would you rather have, a stud ace pitcher or a stud middle-of-the-order superstar everyday player? And let's start here, Shippy, with John Daniels. We asked J.D., what would you rather have, a stud bat everyday player or a stud starting pitcher? It's a great question. Obviously, there's uh, you know, a couple guys out there that you could attach their names to it. But, Loaded question. Um, <laughs> I mean, just in general, I think you know teams – typically would go with the position player just because for, you know, injury risk. And, um, you know, we're talking about length of contract with, with pitchers, but that being said, you know, I think pitchers get to a point where they've kind of they cross a threshold of durability and, and, you know, they usually stay healthy uh, later on if, if they've, if they've been healthy for much of their career. Um, I, I think overall looking at, it, I, I think we have, and we'll continue to have over the next couple of years, I think we're, we're in a position to, to develop, some quality players to fill in around our roster and be, be contributors. I think what, you know, what, when you look up and you, you look at us against some of these other clubs, what we're lacking at least moment in time. And it stands out even more with, you know, Joey hurt and, you know, door struggled for such a big portion of the year. And, but, you know, we lack like the, 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 the top line players, the, you know, the star players. And so I think, you know, whereas last year, last couple of years, we've looked to add, you know, kind of good building blocks and the foundation. I think we have like a lot of like good players now. Uh, you could always add depth to the roster, but uh, th- there's definitely a um, a desire to you know if the right fits out there to add you know the kind of the premium end player because uh, that's you know that's what we're lacking right now. Ooh. So you Man. said it. You you kind of positioned it as a pipe dream, and that's all fine and good because it is. But don't you guys think that if and it always comes down to health in any sport? But if they went out and got both of these guys, don't you think the Rangers are instant contenders? I, I do because God, I, I want to. Because I want to. Do we do we also have the uh, the Woody clip from yesterday? Yes. So we're going to play that too. Okay. Because uh, I, I look at the 
if you look at what Lynn and Miner have done for this team this year, if they were your number two and your number three behind Cole, you would have an incredible rotation. And that's not mentioning that Brock Burke and yes. Colby Howard, and they've got other yes. guys who are kind of showing out a little bit. And so then you look at the ripple effect of, all right, Rendon's your third baseman. You're going to get Solak in the lineup. And yeah, then I think suddenly, starting second baseman. And, and so I know the knock on him is that his arm's not strong enough to be a third baseman, which is why you would go out and get Rendon. But the whole point is that there's suddenly a really good competition going on in your infield. Right. And then you get Gallo back, and then everything starts looking a little bit different. If Solak and Calhoun are your third and fourth best hitters behind Rendon and obviously Gallo coming back, and then you still have Mazzara. I mean, you're starting to look at this and going, man, that is a potent offense. I can't see them adding both. I mean, that would be adding $65 million of salary per year mm-hmm. for the next five years. Uh, but I would love to see it. I'll spend the owner's money as quick as I possibly can. They, yeah. they can but pay I, for it now. They're going into that new building. I want to get uh, Woody's comments because – this is what's great about listening to the fan. We had uh, Chris Woodward on the show, and we asked him the same question. If you had to choose between the two, would you rather – and we're not asking specific names, um, but would you rather have the stud starting pitcher or the stud everyday bat in the lineup? Um, I've been asked this question quite a bit lately. Um, I, I do. I truly believe, like, the, the position player, just from the standpoint of, you know, the, the number of games he impacts. Now, listen, if you got – you know, you compare um, – the guy we faced last night <laughs> to, you know, Mike Trout. Um, you know, you look at the overall value. Okay, one guy's going to pitch you, you know, 35 starts hopefully and, and be dominant like, you know, Verlander has been. And then you look at Trout, what he does on an everyday basis. I, I mean, it's you, you can debate it forever, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of biased to the, uh, to, the, to the more games that they impact and from a position player standpoint. You just see the the production on a daily basis, especially if you get a really elite, you know, middle of the bat lineup, um, it's just it's it's so hard to replace that. You can, I mean, that's something that uh, you can see the significance of having a, a Mike Trout in the lineup every day. I want to throw one more thing else, uh, one more thing out there. So my follow-up question wasn't about what you asked Ben, but it was about Lynn and Miner. And one of the things he said is, "Well, that's part of the reason why looking at this team, I'd want the everyday bat because you have those two guys. If you added another guy to them, you wipe out the league." Now, he said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but the point being is that they don't have that bat. They need that bat. But if they did have a guy like Cole to go with Lennon Miner, you, you think way differently about their competitive I, level of this team. Yeah, for sure. I just I think about how good the Astros are, and they're not going anywhere. I think about how good Oakland is, which, God, they're good. And I just... I don't know that next year would be the year that all of a sudden the Rangers would instantly be a contender. I would love to get both of those guys. Obviously, it would be fantastic to spend $65 million per year of the owner's money. But I think what's more likely is that the Rangers will trade uh, Mike Miner this offseason. They'll still make one of those signings, but they'll trade Mike Miner and they'll trade him for somebody who will be around for longer as opposed to just that one more year of minor or maybe minors like hey listen i just want to be here so bad i will sign the most team-friendly deal of all time but i can't i wouldn't advise that for him you know mm-hmm. i don't know that it, i mean that makes sense in our pretend land where we want all of our players to sign on our team the team that we like for the cheapest amount possible but 
I just I, I don't I mean they're they're going to have a tough spot this offseason. What do they do? Do they do they try to go for it even though they really don't have a, a great shot of winning the AL West, or do they continue to stock the cupboard for the future, which is now right around the corner? I'm going to talk to Ray Davis about this. So we've been talking about this periodically throughout the week, but. KT really sort of, uh, you know, up the ante on it a, a, a little bit more as we think about this because it's starting to enter the realm of, uh-oh, is this going to be one of these things that really hinders the team? And that is the Tyrone Crawford hip injury. I believe he only played 18 snaps on Sunday. He's pre- He's been pretty much – he hasn't practiced, so I think he's been – I don't know if he's been officially ruled out, but usually when they don't practice by this point – they don't play on Sunday. He's taking Romo Wednesdays on Thursdays and Fridays. <laughs> it's more of a Romo midweek thing that he's doing now. Um, and he is, for a lot of reasons, super important. Not only is he uh, you know, one of your best defensive linemen, he's the embodiment of position flex. You put him inside on third downs. He's outside on first and second down. Anytime you have a problem, you know that you can work around it because of Tyrone Crawford. And... Is he is, you know, he missed all of training camp, and now he's really only played in one and a quarter game, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, so this might end up being one of those things where it's nagging all year long and causes a problem. And how did the Cowboys operate around that? So yesterday he said he's been dealing with several problems in the hip uh, area, including bursitis and uh, gluteal muscles. He Sir. said first suffer- suffered the injuries in the middle of the season. And then he took a break for a little bit. Then they returned, uh, the, the pains uh, then returned during off-season workouts. Uh, the, his health then returned um, when, uh, you know, he stayed away from playing for a little bit. And then they returned back at camp a little bit. And then it, they went away for a little bit. And, and now after two regular season games, now his hip's acting up again. He, he said, this is in the Dallas Morning News, it hasn't gone away. It's more frustrating than you know. When asked if surgery is a possibility to solve his problems, he said, I'm hoping not. That would be devastating. Okay, so think about this, guys. He's talking about the devastation of surgery. This has been going on now for nine months, eight months, somewhere in that time frame. Three trimesters. All right, exactly. When you are at the age of our buddy Tyrone Crawford, and you have something that has itis at the end of it. Oh, no. That becomes, uh, now it's a management issue. And now it's uh, the Cowboys have to start figuring out what their defensive line is with a compromised Tyrone Crawford. You can hope for the best. Hope is a bad strategy. They have to think about this now as, all right, we're not going to have the Tyrone Crawford we know and love because of the age and the persistence of the injury. Now, obviously, every Cowboy fan hopes it turns the corner. It's good. It's manageable. And he can contribute in all these things. But... How important now is Tristan Hill to this entire thing? Because we feel pretty confident with Dorrance Armstrong. You feel pretty good about, I mean, I really just feel good about Jackson because of what they say. I haven't seen him enough to know. I know Hyder can move around, but this is a problem, and you are now in a position where you need a lot from your project second rounder because the injuries are starting to pile up. Man, this is this is very concerning, and I'll, I want to say this before I go in on Tristan Hill for a minute, is yesterday my ears perked up when we had Mickey on at 12, and Mickey talks to all those you know, medical guys, right? at least I think he does. You know, he's in there. Um, and then he threw out surgery very early into that. I went, oh, 
Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Now, he said that he brought that up, and he's the one who's bringing up that speculation. They didn't hear it from anyone, but it still made my head start spinning. And that's where you go, okay, now I need this guy who I kind of drafted to. I, I knew when I drafted Tristan Hill that this was a project. I knew when I drafted Taco, by the way, that he was a project. Yeah, you I knew said that. that. You did but say that. But with Tristan Hill, I knew when we drafted Tristan Hill, we're not necessarily looking to get you know, a ton of playing time for him this year. A little bit, but not a ton, because he's got a ways to go, and Malik Collins is under contract, and it's a contract year for Malik Collins. But now you're going to ask him to play, and now you're going to need Christian Covington to play, and he's been beaten up. And Antoine Woods got a little beaten up in last week's game. And then he directly to me goes back to how did you lose last year. It was just one game, but that's how you lost. You got ran all over, and that is now – the very clear weak spot of your team. Right, and it's, uh, it's, it's suddenly very problematic. The injuries have kind of uh, snuck up this year yeah. a little bit. Like uh, the Xavier Woods injury, I didn't even realize he got hurt. Yeah, second then we to start, last play. And we started hearing, okay, it's a high ankle sprain, and then Jerry jumped on, and we thought, wow, Jerry is Jerry underinformed here? And Jerry's like, I don't know that you can say he's going to miss four to six weeks. And sure enough, he might be back at practice this week. And I saw yeah. Broadus tweeting, Luckily, Xavier Woods may just miss one game. Right. That would be awesome because this is a game you shouldn't need him to win anyways. But along the interior of that defensive line, that was their weakness. That's why they lost last year, no question. A fat running back crammed it down their throats right up the middle. And, in fact, two running backs ran for over 100 yards against the Cowboys in that playoff loss. And it's the one part of this team, I guess, now where I have the most concern. And last night on that uh, Cowboy Happy Hour, Lindsey Draper said that she was talking to Quinn about coming back. And like, you ready for 50 to 60 snaps? He's like, whoa. Uh, I don't oh. think so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was real honest. He's like, everybody wants to play, but I got to be realistic with myself about where I am. So he might be a half a game kind of guy on Sunday. Well, let's throw two, two guys into the fold who can help you out here. And they both have physician flex. Kerry Hyder. And Joe Jackson. Hyder was great in the preseason. And, and, and he's been okay. Like, he hadn't played much, but he's been okay when he's in there. And the Cowboys aren't setting the world on fire, getting sacks or things like that yet. But I think that'll come around. And Joe Jackson, just the, the ability to play end, a strong side end for you, and also to get dipped down and play the three, very but helpful. Also, very it's, helpful. It's just a matter of time till probably Malik Collins is hurt. Or someone else, yeah, absolutely. God, I hope that foot holds up. Malik Cal- Collins gets hurt every single year. And with all these players, so I said this the other day, with all these players uh, now suddenly in the NFL being able to control their fate a little bit, just seems like it's it's more like the NBA all of a sudden. Minka Fitzpatrick, Jalen yeah. Ramsey, guys going, hey, man, trade me. I want out of here. The Cowboys need for a highly drafted, awesome defensive tackle to get really pissed off about his <laughs> situation with his team yeah. and demand a trade because we could sit there and talk about Jalen Ramsey but it's not a need for the Cowboys it's right. just okay do you, would you like to have two of the best corners in the league on the right. same team yeah but if there was a defensive tackle available hell yes and and further you know I do believe and I think you guys agree that this is the winning window they're yeah. in it yeah they're they are going to contend this year and for the next two years for sure after that I don't know we'll see how it goes maybe it'll the window will stay open longer but if there is an opportunity to trade for a defensive tackle, if you continue to get dinged up with injuries here or any of these injuries are more serious than they looked initially, you might want to trade for a defensive tackle. You know what they're really going to need, gentlemen, as you look at what KT brought up and you look at where the injuries are? They're going to need Jalen Smith to be a beast against the run on first down and a blitzer on the third down. 
if at the rate that this thing is going, yeah. your linebackers are going to need to be the ones making tackles on run plays, and they're not getting to the quarterback much in the early part of the year against compromised offensive lines. They better be. I know Rod doesn't like to do it, and I know Richard's making the calls now, but it's still Rod's system and all that. They're, they need to be sending somebody on third and six, third and seven. They've got to get pressure. I'm sure they will uh, in time. I, this week's very weird, and we'll talk about the Dolphins here in a minute. This week's very weird with Fitzpatrick, who's just gonna. You're probably not gonna sack him much because he just throws the ball. So he doesn't quick. care. He just throws the ball. Like he's, he up very a great much point. does the Kellen Moore we. <laughs> Broadus yeah. has said, "Yeah, there's a guy that's not afraid to throw an interception." <laughs> I was watching, uh, you know, the, the highlights of uh, Demarcus Lawrence's, you know, pass rush, you know, efforts this past week, and although he, you know, he didn't really get to the quarterback, he did draw that penalty, which. It's kind of crap because I don't know what he's supposed to do in yeah. that situation. He was really close on several plays. Agreed. Like he was flirting with sacks the entire time. It, ha- it, Haley's, ha- the numbers will start popping up for sacks. Yeah, and Haley said last night, there's, when, when Quinn is on the field and healthy, there's no more double teaming. And Haley's not about throwing out compliments. I also oh, thought this man. was interesting too. You know, his personality is so workmanlike. I mean, everyone, we had him on the show and training camp, but everyone has said it to a man. He adds a different demeanor to that defensive line, and so uh, he can't come back soon enough. And I don't know the story, but my God, the Gregory thing is troubling because I really thought that we would be talking about him getting on the field by now. We both thought that he'd be probably ready to go week one, Yeah, and I'm shocked. And honestly, you know, trying to work the back channels, some channels that had been open in the past, those channels are even closed. Uh, and so I don't know if it's a DEFCON, whatever, let's yeah. lock it down, let's not say anything and screw this up. That could be the case as well. Or it could be that, hey, things aren't going well. But, man, it is super quiet out there on the Randy Gregory front, which is concerning because I was, like you, man, I was thinking he was going to be back. All right, let's go around the NFL at 120. But before we do that, it is now a new Thursday benchmark. It's so good. We don't know what the name of it means, but we know the content is good. Coming up next, KT's 1 o'clock Cowboys Dolphins Red Band Trailer, right here on 105.3 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 